Three companies, disrupting what you know about marketing and branding. Welcome to M Squared. Welcome back to another edition of M Squared. I'm your host, Dan Ryan. Joining me as always, Mike Bloomfield from Techie Geek, Anthony Rapachulo, PR Cision. What's up, bro? And our special guest today, Finn McEntee from, he, he is uh, the... He ruins every name. What? Finn McEntee. Sorry, I made it more Irish. All right, do that again. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I try to make it more Irish. I so, like it. I'll take it. Now, this from is, now on, that's the official pronunciation. <laughs> just so you know, this is why we have him do the intro, just so we have something to make fun of. Yep. Mostly, yeah. It's easier. All right, do again. So I'm not going to start from oh, the top. Oh, we can keep I'll it. Say, I like it. Joining us today is special guest, Finn McEntee. I didn't even say that right. <laughs> <laughs> How do I say it? You say it. McKenty, but, but I like your version better because it makes me sound like I've got a box of Lucky Charms at That's the bottom of my rainbow. That's why I try to just like make it. everything Irish. After this podcast, I'm going down to the courthouse. I'm going to change it. Thank <laughs> you. Joining us, special guest Finn McKenty. He is the punk rock MBA, YouTube influencer, and very big in the music opinion space and an innovator in the in the space, right? And, and this is something moderately that... sized in the music opinion space. Okay, moderately and humble, successful too. and humble. But yeah, and like we should probably address that this is actually the first Zoom interview we are doing, the first with a remote guest. So we thank you for being with us to experiment with that. But I found Finn back. It was during COVID. It searching YouTube. Everything I watch now is on YouTube. It's insane. I pay $300 a month for cable television, and I watch YouTube. Never watch I, I watch Punk Rock NBA. I watch Screen Crush. I watch uh, New Rock Stars and MCU and Star Wars. I don't even watch cable anymore. No. But I found Finn and his channels, and I just found myself watching them over and going through. And he talks uh, about bands. And I feel like I'm back in my 90s and early 2000s, listening, you learning about the bands. Why did this band succeed? One thing at this band, then he moved into, as we got into it, the Twitch, and we're going to talk about that and doing more of the lives and the bands on who the the all-star list. And but I love it. And, and I found myself, and he helped me get through that time of COVID when we were stuck in the house. Here in New York, we were actually told not to leave our house, and I actually listened for a few months of that. So One of the you, few. One of the few. They were all having parties, and I was in my basement. But uh, no, we're happy to have you here. Yeah, no, thank you for coming in, Finn. And this is a, a podcast about branding and working with local businesses in here locally, but in general, just what's good branding practices? How is the community important and effective in what somebody's trying to do as they're growing their business? And as Mike brought your brand to us, we thought it was a great opportunity to just be able to have a conversation and hear from you. Sure. I'm a, a huge supporter of small business in general, so I'm excited to do it. And it's interesting because YouTube is like the new hot thing, but it's inexplicable in some cases. So I'm really interested to hear how you're hacking it and what tips and information you have for people listening, watching, even ourselves, right? Even stuff that you could share with us that we could use for our clients to see whether we're sure. doing it right or where, whether we're doing it wrong, right? Because we think we're doing a good job, but yet you could do something you think is tried and true and all of a sudden something changes and it's over. Sure. I'm really looking forward to hearing about what we can do to better ourselves and, and anybody listening or watching what they could do for their brands, specifically with YouTube. So I'd love to hear a little bit of your story and how you got started and how you ended up on YouTube. Sure. So my career has been in marketing and product design for about 20 years. I got my start back in, I think it was 2000, 
2001 or 2002 at a small ad agency in Seattle that I was totally not qualified to work at, but somehow I finagled my way into a design role there. Did some stuff for Nike and Nintendo and Red Bull, which again, I was totally unqualified for. I don't think it did very good work for them, but they were pretty cool names. And so that sort of got me, once you have a couple decent names on your resume, then things get a lot easier. And so that sort of got the ball rolling there. After that, I worked at an agency in, in Manhattan doing a lot of stuff for like financial companies at the time, Bear Stearns and Lehman and a bunch of other companies that don't exist anymore. Did a lot of stuff for them, like developing websites and stuff like that for them, like financial prospectuses and whatnot. Worked at another agency doing industrial design and engineering where I primarily worked on stuff for Procter & Gamble, like Febreze, Swiffer, Tide, Bounce, stuff like that. Then I worked at Abercrombie & Fitch as a designer and then in a marketing role there. We were doing a lot of expansion in Asia and Europe, opening flagships over there. Moved to a startup called Creative Live after that in 2013. It's like a venture-backed Silicon Valley company. If anyone knows who Chamath Palihapitiya is. He was like our lead investor. I think we raised like 60 million bucks or something. And we did like online education for creative people, primarily photographers and small business owners, people like that. Did that for about four years, which was very cool. Grew there. I grew a, a business for them from nothing to about a million and a half dollars in revenue and 18 months maybe, which I feel pretty good about. You know, that may not be huge numbers by Silicon Valley standards, but it's a lot of money to probably most people listening to this, certainly is to me, um, and then moved on to the current place that I'm at, which is a company called URM Academy, where we do online education for music producers. I've been there for seven years or something like that. I'm a partner in the company. And then when I started at URM Academy, I said, we're going to be, our company is going to be using YouTube a lot as a marketing channel or we think what we need to. So I said, I, I probably should understand it a little bit better. So I'm going to start a YouTube channel. And it was really just, the goal was just to understand how to use YouTube better as a marketing vehicle. And if I just got to the place where I had two, three, 5,000 subscribers, I would have been happy with that because that would tell me like, okay, you got 5,000 people that don't know you to hit the subscribe button. You understand this platform. And it ended up becoming much more successful than I thought it would be. Right now I have one channel with 500 and some thousand subscribers and I have a second channel with 140 or something like that. So a total of 650,000 or something like that, which is just way, way more than I ever thought that I would have. And so to answer the question that you had before of what made it take off, it took me a while. I'd say the first, I got no views for nine months. I did, I don't know, probably a hundred videos or something like that that were getting like 50 or a hundred views. And most of those were people that were probably my friends that were just watching out of pity. And then, so originally I was talking about business because that's actually, that's actually my passion is like growing businesses. But I realized that nobody on YouTube wanted to hear me talk about that. And I said, I've written about music a lot in the past. I know, I understand, I, I know what people want to hear about in terms of music. So I pivoted to that after about nine months. And that's when things took off. If I showed you the chart, it was like, like a whole lot of nothing for nine months. And then all of a sudden, like that big hockey stick when I switched to, to talking about music. So the point I want to make there is that with YouTube in particular, but with social media in general, is that initial part where you're just grinding and grinding and putting all this time and energy and potentially money into making content that gets 25 views really sucks, but it's part of the process <laughs> for everybody. It just is, you know, right. and it, it doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong. It just means it might mean you're doing something wrong, but it also might mean that you just need to put more time into it. If you're in that phase right now where you're grinding and it feels like nothing works, you got to just keep going because it takes a while. 
And the one thing you say is consistency, right? You kept yeah. going. And we hear that all the time from business owners and different people we speak to, and they talk about how their business was successful and they were consistent, and that's how they grew their brand. Here it is. And yep. just another medium, you have to continue being consistent. And it definitely Yeah, does. if it ends up being successful on day one, great. Then you're one of the outliers, but it probably won't. So just keep showing up. But you also don't want to just keep doing the same thing over and over and think that somehow something's going to change. You, what you want to do is learn from each one of them. Even if that means, so let's say you put out a video and normally they get 50 views, but you put one out that gets 75 views. Okay, maybe there's something there because, okay, that's not, that's only 25 views, but that is a 50% difference. Is there something about the title, the topic, the thumbnail, the intro, something about this that was responsible for that 50% increase? Maybe try doing a little bit more of that. And maybe next time, then you get a hundred views and then 150 and then, you know, 500. And then you're like, okay, I'm seeing growth. So yes, consistency is important, but you also need to be learning and improving from each thing that you put out. And then the beginning where you were doing everything, right? Were you doing your own editing and are you yeah. still doing it? No. For the first, I think I got my editor in 2021, I think. Yeah, it was after it was, I did it all myself for many years before I got him. And he just like randomly hit me up out of the blue. Just And I got a lot of requests like this of people saying, hey, can I edit your videos? And for whatever reason, I always just didn't say yes to it. But there was something about the message that he sent me. And I was like, you know what? I'll give it a shot. I did. And he did an amazing job. I would say he's a better editor than I am. I'm very grateful for his help. So the lesson there is it can be hard for a lot of people, especially business owners, to let go of things and delegate and let other people do something because understandably, it's this is my business. I don't, I'm so scared of screwing this thing up that I'm very hesitant to let anybody touch it. And I get that. But at the same time, if you want to grow, you have to delegate. You got to find great people. You got to treat them right. And you have to trust them. That's one of the hardest things. We have a lot of guests that we talk about that. Delegating, getting stuff out, letting control of the reins. I think one of the things you said earlier that was very interesting is obviously you're a practitioner, but being a practitioner is interesting because there are so many people, there are so many agencies, there's people we talk with that they'll say or they'll discuss YouTube as a platform and, and yeah. pontificate. And they sound like they know what they're talking about. But Really being a practitioner, like you said, you didn't have to get in the grind and start doing it yourself, but you did it because you wanted to understand it better. You could have just as easily I don't think there's hired any an agency. For that. Yeah. I agree with you, but I think there are a lot of people, yeah. and I'm sure you've come across them, or these courses that you see on social that yep. everybody's pushing. And the people who are pushing that and, and profiting off that, quite frankly, they're not practitioners. They're just regurgitating stuff. So it's important to note that being a practitioner actually matters and is probably one of the keys to the success of your entire channel, I would say. So getting back, uh, yeah, get, absolutely. Getting back to some of the the editing and what you were talking about, I was watching one of your videos and you had you cut in, which I thought was it was like really well done. Was you cut in with a sponsor promo and ad? It was for mm -hmm. like an AI software. So being that we're here with Mike all the time, he ends up talking about robots and AI and everything else that's like in the it's in coming. the tech world. Yeah. There's certain softwares out there. Do you find that? Any of them work better, especially in the AI world right now, as far as editing goes or trying to be able to be creative? There's a million of them, so I wouldn't even know where to start. Don't think that it's going to do all the work for you, right? If you think ChatGPT or something else is going to like write an entire video for you or write a social media post for you, it, it will, but it's not going to do a very good job of it. 
So use any of these things to save time or to get you started or get you over writer's block or something like that. But they're not a substitute for doing the hard part, which is understanding what is the message you want to send? Who do you want to reach? And what are the specific things that are going to make this audience care about what you have to say? Like ChatGPT or anything else is great. If I'm not sure where to start, I'll ask it to, hey, write an intro for this video just to get me over the, the block of just looking at an empty page. And then it'll write something like, okay, okay, that's not very good, but it gives me something to work with. So I would use it that way. It's not, do not let it, don't outsource everything to any AI tool because that's just a recipe to have very mediocre content that nobody's going to care about. Yeah, I always say AI should be used, and especially ChatGPT, as a tool. It's a tool. Yeah. You give two people a power tool, one person could build the Coliseum and one person is going to build a box. And that's yep. what ChatGPT is. It's, it's a tool and it's a great use. It definitely makes things easier. There's, I know, a number of tools you you love, like Descript and, and different ones out there. Sure. And there's some crazy ones going on. I don't know if you've seen, which is Air AI, which is no. the new cold caller AI. And yeah, it's, it's actually, cool. It's pretty cool. Like, actually, we'll be, you replace cold calls and actually sound like oh. you're speaking to a human and learns your product and actually has a conversation. Okay. And it's insane. And used by some major companies. I think Tesla yeah. was using it already. And it's a, it's a newer thing out there. We're going to see it with all the political campaigns that coming up, I'm sure. We're yeah. going to be getting those robocalls that sound like us and regular people. I, I haven't seen it, but I'm very highly skeptical that's going to replace a really excellent salesperson that knows the market and knows their customers and actually cares about helping them. I think it'll probably replace a mediocre to bad salesperson which in some use cases maybe is okay. You're saying robocalling for political campaigns. Right. If you're selling a million dollar contract for whatever, gravel or fencing or advertising or whatever it is, I think your customer would probably be pretty upset if they found out they were, because remember their butt is on the line. If they're writing a million dollar check for their company, do they want to tell their boss, oh yeah, I wrote that million dollar check <laughs> to an AI? To an AI? <laughs> I don't think so. I think, and I agree, I think it's more to, they're using it more to get through the gatekeeper, if you would, get you that initial meeting, more like an appointment center, and then have the real sale. But yeah, absolutely, we'll again, used as a tool. It's still new. Yeah, right. Rap's yeah. trying we'll to see. I could be it. wrong. I could be wrong. I want to go back to what you said originally. So you had that hockey stick moment, right, where the views went up and you realized you had that aha moment of here's the content, here's what we need. What yeah. piece of content was it or or what trend did you notice within that content that you continue to carry out and execute? Yeah. So what I think what you're headed, what you're getting at here is you'll see a lot of people, sometimes you'll look at someone's YouTube channel or TikTok account or whatever, and you'll see they did one thing that got a million views. Right. And then the next one got 1500 and you're like, okay, that's cool that you had this viral moment, but it didn't really do anything for you because you couldn't or wouldn't capitalize on that wave. And so for me, the breakthrough moment that I had is I made a video about this band called Bring Me the Horizon, who's pretty popular in a particular corner of the heavy metal kind of scene. And I knew that if that one did well, I knew there were 20 other bands like that that I could also talk about. Because what you don't like, you want to be looking for repeatable formulas that you can yeah. do. So, like, if you're talking about cars and it turns out that your audience really likes you to talk about BMWs, all right, there's an endless amount of BMW content that you could probably make, right? So, that's how to think about it. But what you'll oftentimes find is that the, the thing that ends up getting you that breakthrough moment is not the thing that you expect it to be. And so if you do end up having this kind of, holy crap, 
this thing took off unexpectedly kind of moment. You, you got to figure out how to run with that. Don't just go back to what you were doing before, because obviously there's something about this that's working and you got to be willing to pivot and potentially walk away from what you were doing before. And so. you and right, and it was the music and bring you use that video. And so once that got, you just went and used the other 20 and just kept going. Yep. Yep. And what about the, the new tools they're rolling out? So it's in, at least in my platform, it's in beta. You have a deluxe version of YouTube, so it's much more advanced than what we're using, I'm sure. No, but I know. It's the same as everyone else has. Your creator tools are, are, you don't have bigger and better creator tools or access to more stuff? Okay, interesting. Occasionally, they'll invite me to some beta program, but like you said, you you get access to this beta stuff too. I do have a YouTube rep who's awesome, but yeah, we, don't, we have the same tools as anyone else. All right, so then have you used, again, what's in beta in my platform, the promote feature that's been rolled out, in other words, to promote the yeah. videos across? What are your thoughts on it? I think it is totally useless. <laughs> I tried it. I, I spent I like 200 that. bucks or something to promote a video just to, to test try it. it. Right, yeah. yeah, I think I got like literally 50 or 20 subscribers or something like that for 200 bucks. And I get, for comparison, I get maybe five to 10,000 a month just from, yeah. Right. And w w I, I don't think that if you were trying to grow an organic following on any platform, including YouTube, spending money does not help. Money on production, money on promotion, it, it doesn't matter. There are some things, obviously you have to have some budget for certain things, but you cannot buy an audience. It does not work. That's both good and bad. I wish you could just throw money at it. But the good thing is, but look at, so do you guys know what Amazon Web Services is? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So AWS makes, I think, I think they made like $5 billion in profit last quarter alone. Their YouTube videos get literally like 400 views. Because they're not excited. And this is, right. they're bad. Right. They're terrible. And so they're terrible. And so the point I want to make here is that, yeah, it'd be nice if you could throw money at a problem at, at this problem to grow your audience, but you can't. The good part of that is that it means you have access to beat anybody of any size. Like you, you can beat AWS at right. the YouTube game, and it's not even hard. Look at TikTok. How many of these like sandwich shops from <laughs> Brooklyn are getting millions and millions of views on TikTok? Right, the panini guy. Right, we have a local influencer right here that got, that has people coming from. Amsterdam and Australia coming to eat right. at a restaurant here on Staten Island just because they're interested in his content and they follow him and they find it interesting and they're getting on a plane exactly. to come eat. It's wild. Exactly. So to me, that's an opportunity as a small business owner that doesn't have the resources that some of your larger competitors might have. The good news is that all you have to do is be more interesting and clever and helpful than they are and you win. That's something we, we've said multiple times. So the key to all this, and, and it's what you're saying, is that distribution is free, right? If you think yes. about it. Distribution is free. It's just, what are you putting into the medium? What are you putting in that yep. module to get that pushed out to as many people as possible to get it consumed? And it's interesting because it never was that way until the, in, the invention of the internet, right? It never it was always, you had to pay for distribution, whether it was records, whether it was commercials, whether it was yep. paid billboards, outdoor media, whatever it was. But now that it's free, it's equal, equal playing field, to your point. In fact, YouTube will pay you for distribution. Which is amazing. It's so, incredible. And it, it can be real money for the context of AWS, it's not. But for a small business, I wouldn't say it's like particularly hard to make six figures a year off of YouTube. I know lots and lots of people who do it. I wouldn't say it's easy, but it's not the hardest thing in the world. And so let's say you hire somebody to run your YouTube channel. There's That just pays for their salary. Right. You, you look, and there's empires built on YouTube. You look at the Linus Tech Tips. 
He's sure. He's got over, I think, a hundred employees now, and yep. built this all off of a YouTube and right. it's selling product now, manufacturing screwdrivers and different things, and all from a guy who just was and on YouTube and solving tech problems. And then, yep. of course, but the difference is, like now, someone like me, can I just do it too? No, you have to find what's unique because he's yes. already taking and become and grab that audience. So now you have to do something different vertical. The thing for small business owners is where, again, where you can win or potentially lose. What I would suggest that you do is make content that just all you want to do is help your audience either solve a problem or be entertained. Do not ask for anything in return. Right. Don't be overly promotional. If you give and give and give, it will eventually come back to you. And you may think that what you do is boring or could never be interesting on social media. That's not true. For example, there's a guy on YouTube named Hornet King that all he does is remove wasp and hornet nests. And this guy probably gets, I don't know, like 5 million views a month or something off this. Right. The guy's making a lot of money. The guy's probably making half a million dollars a year off of just YouTube alone. In addition to, like, I'm sure his wasp removal business is also doing <laughs> yeah, great. They're booked. You look on TikTok at how many people get just crazy views from, like, power washing or, I don't know, cleaning jewelry, just stuff that you might think is super mundane. But what people respond to is somebody who's, like, a master of their craft doing something with passion. They respond to that. And it doesn't matter what that thing is. It could be literally anything. You could... You could get millions of views on TikTok like using a nail gun. I'm sure somebody does it. Oh, yeah. We could, I'm sure we could look it up. <laughs> Going back to the monetization and the channels, so something that I feel is more prominent and coming up more and more, at least that I see, are so-called gurus and people who are trying to create AI channels, right? So I'm trying to bring it all together. Yeah. We talked about AI. We're talking about monetization. Create AI channels to generate money without your face, yeah. without anything. Now, I'm sure you've seen this. I've never dabbled mm -hmm. with it, but what are your thoughts? Do you think it's something that could work? Do you think it has potential or you think it's just a fit? I know a couple of people who do it. And it works? Um, so That's, I'm curious. I, yeah, I know it can work. So that is a YouTube TOS violation. Okay. And I don't expect that will work forever. If you just want to make some money, I think there's a lot easier ways of making money. So obviously that's not creatively fulfilling because it's just, oh, exactly. you know, so you're just doing this for the money. If you want to make some money, I think there's a lot of better ways to do that that'll be more conducive to the long-term health of your career. What do you want on your resume to say, oh yeah, for two years, I ran this AI YouTube right. channel. Where are you headed with this? Look, if somebody, especially like for a kid or something like that, I respect the hustle, but I don't really think it's a good use of most people's time. You just ruined this day. No, but, but I'm, <laughs> that, I'm glad that was the answer because I agree. And I was going to follow up by saying there's zero branding value for that as well. Like yeah, you, right, you are a right. brand. You sitting here with us, you are the brand and you've built it. If you do the AI right. route or something like that, there's no residual value. 20 years from now when people are Googling you or whatever the newest platform is, you're going to come up, your content will be there and it lives there forever. Whereas the other exactly. stuff, they I have a Wikipedia page now because of this. There you go. And, if, and I specifically used my real name for this exact reason, which was a little bit of a risk. Because as the bigger you get, the more people want to come after you. And there's lots and lots of people who don't like me. But I decided that that risk was worth it for exactly the reason you said. Because the whole reason I wanted to do this was basically to, to build my personal brand. Right. And so that's why I made the choice to use my real name and put my face in videos. Yeah, so let's talk about that. Have you ever released a video or had a moment where all of a sudden something, people didn't agree with you and now you saw a downturn? Sure, probably almost every day. And how do you deal with that? Because that's right. That's like all of a sudden you're looking you're like, oh my God, I was moving up. Why am I going down? What did I do? Are you learning from it? 
Does it mental state? Does that kind of affect you? If all of a sudden you look and you've dropped 2000, does, how does that affect you? How does it look when you look at your bank account and it drops by $2,000? <laughs> you don't love it, but it's part of the game. Just like anything in business, you're going to have your ups and your downs. You're going to get some wins. You're going to get some losses. And you just got to learn how to deal with those. And with social media in particular, and in the context of a small business, I think a lot of people in business are scared to say things on social media that will alienate people. And I understand why, because you think that's going to negatively affect your business. And it will if you go too far. There is a point at which if you say something, you really stepped in it. And this could crater your business. But I think that's actually pretty difficult to do. And the goal is not actually to please everybody. The goal is to find is to connect with the people that do resonate with the things that you believe. And when I say things that you believe, I don't mean necessarily like politics and social issues. If you want to go there, you can. I think that's not a good idea for most businesses. But it's like what you believe about your business. In any business, you might think that there isn't some sort of like emotional connection, but there is in any business. For example, I did printing a lot when I was a kid. From when I was time I was like 15 to 23, I did printing. And if you've ever done printing, there's lots, like back then, this was the time when like, there's this thing called direct to plate. Back uh, when I started, you did everything with film and then direct to plate started coming out. And so back then it was this hot topic of whether direct to plate was good enough. You could make content. If you were in the printing business, you could make content talking about why you believe direct to plate is the future. Obviously I'm talking 20 years in the past. It's been the future for a long time, but like some simple thing, like a tool you know, that your company uses or believes in or sells or something like that, that's a little bit controversial. And people argue about it in the comments. And for example, let's say you sell plastics and there's a reason that you don't sell this one particular kind of plastic that's really popular. Well, tell people why. Like people ask us why this, this that kind of plastic isn't in our catalog. And I'll tell you why. I think it's a crappy solution for most people. Here's why I think it's bad. Here's why we sell this other thing. And I refuse to sell something that I don't think is going to help our customers. So that's why we don't have it. That's an example of taking a stand on something. And some people might see that and be like, well, if these guys don't sell this kind of plastic, I'm out of here. But someone else is going to be like, that's what I've been saying for years. I like this guy. I'm going to give him a call because he's one of the only people that's been saying this kind of plastic is crap. I like him. That's the reaction you want. And you need to cause a little controversy. Not controversy per yeah. se, but you need to cause, a, it has to be a rift of some sort. You got to get people thinking, moving. Exactly. You don't want everybody just idly watching you because they think everything is great and that's it. You want to interact. Everybody in every business stands for something, right? Everyone. Just talk about what you stand for and you will connect with the people who agree with you. And the people who don't agree with you, well, they probably weren't going to do business with you anyway. And you mentioned some of the majors that you work with, but you also have a background in the small business community as well. Yeah. So I, I think there's a lot of times there's almost like a fear to put yourself out there. Do you have any kind of like any words of advice of what you would suggest as far as creating content or putting yourself out there for any of the mom and pops that are out there, any of the small, medium-sized businesses yeah. that are out there? What you'll see a lot of times is that there's somebody in a company that is an expert, like a subject matter expert in something that may not necessarily be great on camera or super comfortable on camera. There are some people, ideally what you have is someone who is both super entertaining and a subject matter expert. That's ideal, but most people don't have that. But you probably have somebody that you know, or you can hire somebody who know that just be, let, we'll think of it as like color and play by play. You can have somebody that works with that subject matter expert. Just, you're the entertaining one. And this other person is the subject matter expert. So let's say it's, you know, ask uncle 
Marty was like the format of the series and Marty's the veteran grizzled carpenter. So the host is like, hey, Marty, I've got this problem with my deck. What do I do about it? And then tease up Marty and Marty's, I would use this, blah, blah, blah. So that's an option. The other option is you don't necessarily have to like talk depending on the nature of your business. Again, if it's something that you like do with your hands or can be like a lot of these sandwich people, they don't necessarily talk. You could just like, but I do think it's a good idea to show your face just for a minute so people connect with you, but you don't have to talk necessarily. If you just show what you do, that can be fine. There's YouTube channels. My wife is really into, there's like a whole world of like cafe vloggers that will show how they make coffee drinks and stuff. There's this one guy named Latte Papa, who's a Love Korean. the name. Yeah. And he gets like millions of views and he does not talk at all in his videos. Is just him making a drink for 15 minutes, never says a word. So you don't have to talk. I think in general, you should, but you just got to get over that fear of, let's put it this way. What are you more afraid of? Getting on camera or going out of business? <laughs> you don't have to be the world's best entertainer, but being on camera is a skill just like anything else. You can learn to be good at it. You may not be Tom Cruise or whatever, but you don't need to be. Sorry, you just Mike. need to be okay. Yeah. <laughs> And we talk about like the local Instagram, which is Tony B. Yeah. I'm going to say he's not the best on camera, but look, he's got a huge following on right. and, and it's crazy. And the national following, it's a real, a realtor who basically just goes in front of houses. He's like, oh, it's Tony B. It's a house. Right, right, right. It's 500,000. Right. Right. And, and people like, love it. Yeah, because they're yeah. like, oh, that's New York. Yeah, that's New York. Right. That's what I think is don't worry about being slick. It's not important. Yeah, nobody cares. In fact, if anything, I would say that being a little rough around the edges will only make people like you more. So don't worry about that. And more if you're available. insecure about the way if you're insecure about the way you look, I am too. I absolutely hate the way I look on camera. Every time I see myself, I'm disgusted by how ugly I am and I hate it. I hate seeing Join my the face. Club. <laughs> I, I hate the sound of my voice. I o hate it. Only Dan thinks he's handsome with his lustrous hair. <laughs> Dan loves looking at himself. He has I, I wish I had that hairline. It's fantastic. Um, Isn't it? Even you can see it. It's, it's unbelievable. Lustrous. It's, it's glorious. <laughs> and I don't think that ever goes away for a lot of people. I bet you a lot of these, I bet you a lot of these like Hollywood stars feel the same way because they're the ones who are already beautiful and they're getting plastic surgery because they don't think they're beautiful enough. Yeah. So it's my, what I'm, my point is that I think it's totally natural to have these kind of insecurities, but don't let it hold you back because there's, this is a huge opportunity don't let those insecurities hold you back. It's no different than sales. Nobody likes hearing no. Nobody likes getting rejected, but it's part of the sales process. You're going to hear no, what, 90% of the time? Yep. What are so, you going to do? So from the expert, I want I want you to list this in order of importance because I think we can, get, okay. we can get some good value out of this. Specific to YouTube, in order of importance in your world yeah. and in your expertise, hashtags, thumbnail, description, title. Where would you rank uh, all Title... Those? Title and topic is by far the most important thing. And I want to separate these two things because the topic is the subject that you are talking about. In other words, and this makes a huge difference. For example, I don't know anything about roofing, but I guarantee you that within the topic of roofing, there's probably people probably care more about whatever shingles than they do, I don't know, steel roofs or something like that. And the title that you put on that Definitely, I would say that's number two, but the best title in the world will not make people interested in an inherently uninteresting subject. You know what I mean? Yep. So we'll talk about cars. 
people are always going to be more interested in a BMW than a Ford Escort. It just, that's just how it is. So you can put the best title in the world on this Ford Escort video, but you're, it's an uphill battle there. What you want to do is find the topics that your audience responds to and lean into those. And the only way to know is just by putting stuff out and you'll be surprised. You'll be like, oh, people care about this. Right. Okay. You lean into that. Topic is number, so topic is number one by far. I would say that's 80% of it. And number two, and you can think about this like in your business. If you have a hundred things in your catalog, the 80-20 rule almost always applies, right? There's 20 items in your catalog that drive 80% of the results. So those are the things that I would talk about. Title is number two. Thumbnail is number three. Hashtags do not matter at all. I don't use them. I stopped using them years ago. It doesn't make a bit of difference. Description barely matters. So don't worry about that. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you for that. Because everyone thinks, and including myself, I always lean towards thumbnail, right? Like I always say, you really want it's that important. thumbnail. Yeah. Clearly, from the expert, it's lower, and we should think about it differently. And that's something that we'll try and put into practice in our... In Topic our is number one. Topic is number one. It is way more important than anything else combined. Value, right there. That was it. <laughs> so from a music standpoint, you review all different sorts of music, right? So did you have a, like a journalism background? Did you have, you said you had experience in writing reviews on music. Yeah. Is that where you started? Yeah. I started out making fanzines back in the nineties, which for anyone who's not familiar, is like a DIY magazine that I started making these when I was like 14 or 15 years old, selling them through the mail in my parents' house back before the internet was really anything like what it is now. And, and then I wrote for a bunch of magazines and I did some blogging and stuff like that. So before I ever did YouTube, I had been writing about music in various different forms for 20 years. Yeah, I guess about 20 years, sadly, because that makes me feel really old. But <laughs> yeah, no, 20 years, if not a little bit more. I already brought that to the table. And so it was not hard for me to adapt that to YouTube. So do you have one favorite album that you could listen top to bottom and say this is like one of the best circular albums or something that you could listen to forever. Is there one in particular uh, that stands out? Yeah, probably I would say Enema of the State by Blink-182 probably be something I could listen to pretty much anytime. On wow, repeat. I think you just named Mike's favorite band. I think that's I what you just did. I agree with him. I saw him smiling over there. <laughs> I enjoy the new album as well. I think. That, yeah, it's not bad. I think it's good. I love that Tom's back. I think I, I love the whole band, but Tom's voice is what really drives it home. It's not the same without Tom. No. It was good. They had a good couple of years, but not the same. But yeah, yeah. I, musically, there's a lot that... That's why I gravitated towards thing when I was no, watching YouTube videos, because musically, a lot of it, like when we... I, I find that we like the same. It's, it's crazy, though. It, it, it's so funny when you think about music, though. I remember being young, and my dad, huge Pink Floyd fan. And I'm like, dad, listen to... Me. He makes fun of my music. He's listening... I'm like, listen to Blink. I ain't listening to that. He's listening to the Pink Floyd. I'm making fun. You were listening to oldies. Why are you doing that? Now here I am, 40 years old. I'm listening to everything I listened to in high school. Right. Like I'm going to concerts for Blink-182. Oh, we're they, old. Those are the yeah. oldies now. Right, yeah. They're the oldies. Yeah. But like, um, just, I, I guess, why? <laughs> new music. the best of us. Yeah. There's some good new music out there. It's different. Changes. But over my music genres changed the year, over, throughout the years. New metal, punk. Went and went, but I've gravitated right back towards that pop punk. It makes me feel happy. I like to be happy. I feel good. I'm going to go listen to So could you talk a little bit about how the, the channel then expanded to increase 
your sphere of influence for your brand or ultimately in, increase revenue, right? Because at the end of the day, it's a business, right? And you were using this yep. as a medium to drive traffic to and acquire new customers or clients. So talk about that relationship and how that's worked out. It's actually a little bit different. With YouTube, th the entire goal, like views equal money. Like I get paid whatever it is, $9 per thousand views. Gotcha. So that's the way that I make more money. It's not actually directly connected to any of the stuff I do in my career, which maybe is a mistake for me. It just worked out the way it worked out. I wish that it was a little bit more directly connected to my career, but it's not. So that's why I'm doing things like this, because basically what I'm doing is taking advantage of the fact that there's, it sounds weird to say it, but there's like literally millions of people who know who I am, which is crazy. That's and a good so thing though, you should these, be proud of that. Oh no, it's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. Even if they only know me as the YouTube guy who talks about music, which is not related to my actual career, but right. even if that's all, all they know me for, the fact that they know me and my face, just like anything else, like in sales, if if they know your name and face, how much of an advantage is that when you're going on a sales call? You're like 10 times more likely to close the deal if they just literally know your name and face. Yep. Basically, that's what I'm doing now as I've been focusing a lot more on LinkedIn and trying to parlay the following that I have from YouTube into, I, I know, look, I get 3 million views a month. So how many of those people that those 3 million views are people that are working in marketing and product design? I don't know, but it's thousands of them. Right. And I want to accumulate a following, peel off those people onto LinkedIn and build a following there because YouTube's not going to last forever. And I don't necessarily need or want it to last forever. And so I'm trying to just parlay. You should always like be building the next bridge before you need it in life in business. Like you never want to get caught flat footed as any of our businesses could end tomorrow. You never know. And you don't want to get caught flat footed and get left out in the cold. And basically the salesperson always have the pipeline going. Yeah. If you get content and you just let that pipeline die, you're going to die with it. I yep, hate complacency. You sure are. Anything to do with complacency yep. yeah. makes me nervous. What do you think? So do you, what, do you see something as being the next platform? That's what I was going to say. What's your next platform to leverage? For me, LinkedIn, because that's that's the place where people are interested in the things that I do congregate. The, I initially tried to talk about this stuff on YouTube, but what I didn't realize at the beginning seems obvious in hindsight, but people don't go to YouTube to talk about business. There's nobody on YouTube that has a, a, follow, a large following talking about business in a substantial way. It doesn't exist. You know, there's people like Alex Hormozzi and Graham Stephan, who I think are both very smart, cool people that make good content, but it's not really nuts and bolts and nitty gritty business content. You right. know what I mean? It's like high level entertainment loosely about business, but they're not talking about, okay, how do you, you know, how do you actually operate a business people, which is what I'm interested in. That's where that people that are interested in that hang out on LinkedIn. So that's where I'm focusing as far as the next platform for other people. I don't think that there is a next platform right now that a business owner needs to worry about. Like between TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube, you're good. You don't need to worry about anything else. Potentially Twitter, depending on what specific business you're in. But for the most part, I think you can ignore Twitter. X. <laughs> we can X I don't, off I don't, the sorry, X. I don't <laughs> like X either, so I'm glad so, someone else said it. Now, on LinkedIn, are you doing video content? Like, Because now that you've gotten used to the video, or are you sticking more to the normal format LinkedIn text, blogging, and all that. Yeah, I just do image and text for the most part, sometimes a carousel. A couple of reasons for that. Number one is that making videos obviously, you know, takes a lot more time. Number two is I don't think that video content is actually very popular on LinkedIn because 
you know, the, the people, it's not a lean back type of experience like YouTube or TikTok. You go there specifically to watch videos. I don't think that's what people go to LinkedIn for. And if anything, I, I feel like it might be just annoying. Like I'm not going to, I spend a lot of time on LinkedIn. I don't watch anybody's videos on there. I don't want to spend three minutes watching your video. Like just write it in text and I can read it. And, and I love that answer because it goes back to every, we talk all the time about every platform is different and there's a different audience on the different platforms. And yep. we see so many small businesses that we try to explain to them. Don't just take the same post and put it across all the platforms. They all have a different audience. They should all have a different goal. Contextually yep. relevant. Yeah, it's got to feel native to the platform. However, if you if you don't have a lot of resources and you just want to have something on Twitter, yeah, you can just post your Instagram content on Twitter. It's probably not going to do that well, but maybe it's better than nothing. But just understand what you want. You want to optimize for one platform and, and understand that if you just cross post stuff, that's probably not going to do very well. So as long as that aligns with your expectations, it's okay. At one point, right, obviously you said $9 per 1,000 viewers on YouTube. Yeah. When do sponsorships come into it? Do they come to you? Do you go to them? What follower count do you have to get before you're able to subscribe account? You're able to get to that. Once you get to a certain point, it's going to depend on your on your niche and stuff like that. But once you get to a certain point, people will just start contacting you. Probably sometimes they're I mean, my wife's YouTube channel has 5,000 subscribers and she got sponsors hitting her up for that. You don't have to be huge. And these are smaller deals, but still something. I have a friend who is a YouTube agent. And so once I got to, I think I was at like 50 or 60,000 subscribers and he was like, hey, I can sell some ads for you if you want. And I was like, or some deals for you if you want. And I said, okay. So I gave him 20%. He brings it to me and he's, hey, here's the sponsor. Here's what they want you to say. And then I send him the draft and he handles the relations with them and collecting and all that stuff, which I'm happy to pay him 20% because if anyone has ever, anyone who's tried to chase down an invoice, how fun that is. And I'm happy to pay someone else 20% for that. The fact that we're talking about a YouTube agent is an amazing testament to the world that we live in today. I love how we, you, I thought I was the only one chasing down invoices. So apparently there's money invoices. on the street, even on YouTube. <laughs> oh, should. there was one that was a net 30 invoice. And I think it was from April, and I just got paid for it like a couple weeks ago. Uh, I have much better than that. <laughs> I got invoices on the street <laughs> right. for two years now that I'm still trying I'm to sure, collect. Exactly. The, oh, it, I thought you meant net 30 years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like a mortgage, no? Right. It's, and that's the thing. No one wants to watch about that on YouTube. Maybe we should do the collectors <laughs> it, on YouTube. Invoicing. We start collecting from and breaking It definitely legs. could be entertaining. <laughs> Dude, on TikTok, I could imagine that would be huge. If you were like berating people, it could just be like, it could just be like a video of your phone showing like the call on yeah. your phone and you're like berating them. Where's my money? Like, yeah, exactly. Dude, exactly. But so that's my point Dead. is you might think that if you'd like do accounts payable or whatever, accounts receivable, that's bad, that there's nothing there. There's definitely something there. Literally anything that you do, any aspect of any business, there is a way to make like highly performing social content out of it. Anything. Consistency. Star Wars. Good topic. Yeah, Star there's there's already Star Wars. <laughs> I, I Way know. Too I many. It, it's actually harder, I think, in a lot of ways in a space like Star Wars. Like, how many people are there making Star Wars content? Yeah, but Mike subscribes to them all somehow. <laughs> what can you do in Nothing. Star Wars that hasn't been done before? It's tough. Right. 
Yeah, there's even, always even the guy fighting with the lightsaber on the the fat guy fighting with the lightsaber. That's already been done too. I can't right, even do taken. that. <laughs> there's it's always taken. something, but my point is that in in a lot of ways, especially in the context of small businesses, the fact that you're doing something that isn't already popular can be an advantage. Yeah, because it means you have less competition. You can grow in the space. So, well, Finn, we really we appreciate you joining us today. You're a great communicator. You've given some really incredible insights with just being an entrepreneur, starting as a young kid, doing something unique and different, and then continuing to grow, continuing to evolve. Is there any last thing that you want to be able to share with a mom and pop that's starting to, to brand, to build, to grow, anybody who wants to get to the next level? When you're creating content, always put the audience first. Always put the audience first. It is about them, not you. If you do that, and if you make people's lives better by entertaining them or helping them solve a problem, eventually it will come back to you. You you do not need to, you don't need to sell. You can sell without selling. Educate. There's a time and a place for selling. Yeah, there's a time and a place for it, but go very light on the selling and just try to educate, entertain, and inform. Love it. We say that. Always educate. Right, always educate. Never sell. I thank you very much, Finn. I really appreciate you answering me on LinkedIn. And that's a, another thing to prove. Just throw a throw it out there, and sometimes people will answer. Absolutely. And, and I appreciate you answering me on LinkedIn and, and being able to come on with us, Tagai. No problem. And I learned a lot, so thank you. We're going we're gonna to try and implement some of that, for not only for what we're doing for ourselves, but also for some of the stuff we're working for our clients. So thank you. He's shutting down his AI chatbot now. Uh, listen, <laughs> you're the AI guy. I'm not the AI guy. I try not to use ChatGPT and that stuff. Again, another edition of M Squared. Finn McEntee, thanks for joining us today from... Did I do it again? (laughs) McEntee. I'm terrible. There we go. That's okay. We'll send you the bloopers, too. (laughs) Anyhow, in closing, thanks again, Finn McEntee, Punk Rock MBA. I'm Dan Ryan. Mike Bloomfield. Anthony Rapp. And that's a wrap. Thank Thank you.